Welcome back to the Spiritual Nomad Podcast, everyone. I'm excited to be doing this season finale. And you know what? As I started recording it, (laughs) just like with the series, I realized there is so much here for just one episode. I realized I could condense it, but hey, it's about long-form conversation. So this will actually be um, kind of an exposition on its own uh, for the next couple episodes. We're going to mix some other stuff in. Uh, with some other guests, but over the course of the next you know month or so, we're going to be doing extended finale of the Institutional Exodus series. So glad to be uh, recording all of that. I recorded um, two episodes already, and I'm just really, really stoked to share a lot of these thoughts um, with you. I believe it's really going to help bring some clarity and um, really help us project and move forward. So I think it's really good stuff. Uh, so thank you for joining us through all this. Once again, we are on social media at Spiritual Nomad Podcast. That's Instagram and Facebook. You can connect with us there. Also, too, uh, I've been really digging you people who have uh, reached out. It's been so encouraging. Uh, the messages on Facebook um, and the stuff on Instagram even, it's been just really thrilling. So thank you guys for engaging. And I'm just honestly humbled. Uh, that this is actually playing a active, helpful, good role in your spiritual life uh, and really your life in general. So thank you so much uh, from the bottom of my heart. This is my life work. I absolutely want people to experience the fullness of life. And so that is uh, part of it is this podcast. So thank you so much for that. Give us a like, follow on there. Um, We'd love to connect with more of you. Um, also, too, I'm excited for what we're doing with the name Institutional Exodus, so I'm not stopping it here. So I'll get into more of that into the episodes, um, but I'm excited for the future of that title, Institutional Exodus. Um, also, too, if you are in the San Diego area, we're going to be doing some spiritual gathering. That's part of us actually taking positive action on this series, uh, which will be stated in a later episode. But just to let you guys know, if you are in the San Diego area, I'm asking you, would you please just send me a message uh, or comment on one of our social media platforms uh, and just let me know that you're in the area and that you are interested in coming and hanging out with us. We're going to be doing some gathering and it's going to be really good. So if you like any part of this uh, podcast, you will certainly enjoy getting together with some of my friends. Uh, We're going to be meeting in Oceanside starting in October. So if you would just send me a message if you're in the San Diego area, uh, I would love that. So. I'm excited for all the future. I'm excited for things with the Institutional Exodus title. Uh, I'm really thinking that that is going to flourish into something great. I'm going to begin working on some stuff with that now and share with you in the upcoming weeks of what that work actually is. So uh, enjoy this first part of the exposition, uh, the finale for Institutional Exodus. So this idea for the Spiritual Nomad podcast to do seasons came a few months ago. Some of you guys listened to the episode that's talking about some of the changes with it. And the idea was that I was wanting to do some episodes, but I just felt like that they weren't going to be able to be encapsulated in one episode. And so Institutional Exodus was a a title that I had in mind for a while. I understand that that title... Um, really kind of maybe send some unique signals to people who are still in uh, the megachurch world. But it was a title that came to me that I really feel passionate about, and I actually have a lot of plans for going forward that I'll share probably at the end of this episode. 
Um, but really the idea was, is I wanted to do an episode called Institutional Exodus and just kind of talk about the reality of the decline of the church in the Western world. But even more so than that, talk to people who have exited already, who are in a transition of that, um, people who are trying out new things. And so more so have conversation with people, not as much as like strict statistics or anecdotes or anything, but as we like to have conversations with people who are already kind of in that place. So I do see a lot of podcasts talking about the decline of church, but frankly, it's only talking with other people who are still in church. And I don't know why that just, that doesn't seem right to me. It doesn't seem right to have a conversation, to have like two pastors have a conversation about the decline of church and nobody actually represent what it actually looks like to be outside of the institution of a mega church. Uh, so my approach with this series is what I wanted to do originally just with an episode is have a conversation with some people that I know that have moved past that, as I said. And I just became really clear to me that this could not be done in an episode. And so I decided to do multiple episodes and I was actually really wanting to have even more people on the podcast for the topic of institutional exodus, but something dawned on me that I think the people that we had, the three guests that we had for the series Institutional Exodus, uh, Malik, Sherry, and my friend Corey, I think is a really good base. It's a really good base note to set the tone for the idea of institutional exodus. And so this idea of institutional exodus isn't done now. It's just going to be built upon. So what this season has done is really built the foundation through conversation with real people about what it looks like to be outside of the church, maybe some hope for the church. I know Sherry had a lot of ideas about you know, what it means to uh, redeem the church and to love people genuinely where they're at. You know, We talked with Malik about... Uh, how he used to be a youth pastor, but now he's completely out of the church scene. He goes to a Sunday night group here and there where they talk about the Bible and drink wine and stuff, but he's really not in that machine or institution or organization of church. So we were able to really chat about that. And even my friend Corey, you know, who's in Ocean Beach, who's doing some spiritual community and formation down there, but more so really just through serving on the city council and things of that nature. And so I think those conversations with people about where they're actually at could set the tone for even this episode to talk about a little bit of statistics and a little bit of direction of where we could go, but more so just for the podcast even, that we could um, continue the conversation. So even though the series Institutional Exodus is over, it's not really over. Because it's going to continue to happen. And I want to bring more people on the show to talk about some of this. So this theme of institutional exodus is going to continue to pop up. It might not be the actual series of it, but the theme will continue to arise. And what I'm glad we have done is set a framework with some friends about here's some real voices in the nomadic world of uh, leaving the institution. Institution, <laughs> institutional exodus, who are, you know, people who have, uh, you know, left institutional church. So let's jump into it a little bit more. 
and what I want to clarify is I realize there's some strong language for this. And people have been using the terms like, you know, I'm an exile, you know, from the Christian church or I'm in the desert. And there's some voices out here in the desert that are keeping my faith alive. And I'm glad, certainly glad to be a part of that. And I feel you on many different levels. But what I need some of my other friends to know that maybe aren't as poetic, uh, who maybe lean a little bit more right brain, if you will, is to know that these words and these terms aren't a direct, necessarily, they aren't a direct stab at you. And so I just want to begin this episode with honestly just taking a position of humility. I think a lot of times in the conversation of the decline of church and the leaving of church, it's really easy to point fingers. It's really easy to shift the blame. It's really easy to cast a stone. And I just want to start the conversation today out with uh, humility, with ownership, and with actually a security of where I'm at and the people that I have conversation with, a security in, with, uh, in where they're at as well. So it's really easy to say, well, this is where the church is effed up and this is where it's going wrong and, you know, it's just absolutely ridiculous and I couldn't believe you voted that guy into office and all this stuff. And I just want to, first of all, take a position of, I realize some of this seems passionate and I realize some of it seems poetic and it's for a good reason, but know that there isn't any personal jabs. This is a um, if this convicts you in a certain way, you may need to take it as a personal jab, but know that I am not jabbing anyone. It's kind of like, you know, when you go to churches and pastors preaching, you know, and he's preaching up a storm and he's got the Holy Ghost and he's all this stuff's going on. And he says, hey, it's not me convicting you, brother. That's the Holy Spirit. That's a whole. Why do I have to have a Southern accent? That's really demeaning. I'm sorry about that. But it's the Holy Spirit, you know, convicting you. And so, I actually do want to dovetail some of that. I don't have anyone in mind. I don't have any particular church in mind. I realize that I came from a church, and so some of my friends that listen from that church might feel like I'm talking about you. I'm not necessarily pinpointing you or my church that I've come from or anything of that nature. I'm talking about the reality of, if you will, big C, mega church, institutional church as a whole. That's what I'm talking about. If it convicts you, that might be something, you know, that you want to either take a position on or convict on and this lovely word repent on, which simply means to, you know, um, change our minds, to change our outlook, to change our views, to change our opinions. In other words, be open minded, be open minded that there might be another way. That's that's all that repentance is. Hey, there's a different way that we might have to interpret and actually live out. That's all I'm submitting. So. I understand that's a little bit of a lengthy introduction, but I did just want to preface with that, that I have the position of humility. And I want to encourage you, friend who is listening, to always position yourself in humility. Because any message that you're passionate about, anything that you see that other people may or may not see, is always going to be received with humility, never with force never with bitterness, never with anger. Nothing is ever received that way. As a matter of fact, many of my friends who I know have left the church have left the church because 
obvious bitterness, anger towards culture or towards other doctrines or towards anything else has forced people to leave the church because we didn't accept the message because it wasn't presented with humility and love. So I want to submit to my friends who may feel a little fiery about the, um, you know, exodus of church, who feel like finally people are talking about this. Remember that though we may be starting a revolution, it is never a violent one rooted in bitterness because the act of redemptive violence never works. And the fact is your words can be violent. You don't have to have a sword. Actually, James says your tongue is a sword. Uh, you know, that it can, it is dual. Uh, I believe that's James. All you Bible freaks quote me on that, but the, the tongue has two edges to it. You know, with the same tongue you bless, you curse. That is James. And the fact is, is that we have to wield our tongue as, you know, uh, as a way that is hopeful and positive and good, not as a weapon um, for our own personal hurts, frankly. So I want to come at this in a positive light. So the purpose and the reason for the name Institutional Exodus. The reason I chose this name is because the fact is, statistics say over and over, people are leaving church. As a matter of fact, just yesterday, uh, Relevant Magazine posted an article. Whether you love Relevant or hate Relevant doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. Okay, that was corny. But they posted an article about the decline of people in church, not only just anybody, just the fact of white people declining in church, which this is actually a really peculiar uh, statistic that's come out. Because historically speaking, I mean, it's always been the, you know, the white, you know, evangelical guy, uh, you know, that has been the face and the representative of churchianity. And even that demographic is dropping now. That to say, I think we have some real evaluation to do. We have some real things to address. And I've had people say to me, why institutional exodus? That seems so negative. That seems like, you know, you're not for the church. Aren't you for the church, Luke? Aren't you a church planter? Yeah, absolutely. Which is why I give a damn. I mean, I think that's the problem is that we immediately take things that can confront our view, our tribe, our reality, what we are trying to build, and we immediately see whatever it is as an enemy and as a threat. And so there's a psychology to this, okay? So track with me here for a moment. We function, human beings, uh, in two ways at the same time. On the one hand, we are very progressive. We are very evolved creatures. We are very smart. We are very witty. We have logic. We have ration. We have this immense ability for emotion to be able to evoke things in our heart and mind to create amazing pieces of art and love, but also science and math that are able to project us forward and put us out on the moon. If you're not a conspiracy theorist and think that was a hoax, <laughs> but we have amazing ability. We are so progressive. We are so enlightened. We are so forward thinking. The internet, the fact that I can sit in my closet and record an episode for you to listen to at the gym or in your car, it's amazing how progressed and evolved we are. Yet, paradox, at the same moment, in the same breath, we are primitive. We are very ancient. We are very ape-like in a lot of ways. We are very much not in control of ourselves because whenever things hit our psyche, whenever things hit our brain, 
immediately we react and we do things that are out of an instinct nature that are more along the lines of animals than they are progressed humans. And so what we have to do is we're always reconciling this. We're always trying to figure out why do I think and feel and believe and act the way I do? That's our ability as the progressive people. But notice that's always after the reaction of our more primitive self. So our more primitive self is always trying to protect us. It's always this, this mindset of I'm trying to protect myself trying to protect my tribe or my pride, you know what I mean? No pun intended with that as well. I literally meaning like a like a lion pride, you know, but <laughs> that works for that too. And we're always trying to protect that. And what happens is we react first in the primitive nature and we're always trying to then unpack it in our enlightened nature later. And I think the goal is the progressive state of humanity is functioning more in the later than in the former. But the reality is where we're at in the state in 2017, we're in the most advanced state of technology that we've ever been in, but yet we still continue to protect and preserve what is ours based on the familiarity of the tribe that we are associated with. And I say all of that to say that whenever terms like institutional exodus are brought up, when terms like, um, you know, Christian exiles are brought up, whenever terms, uh, you know, surrounding that so kind of put the traditional Christianity uh, on the surface level in a negative light, what happens is most of our reaction is to react in a primitive state that something is in violation of my value set as defined by my tribe. And so we react, we act out, we say things that, you know, we haven't really thought through, but are questioning the grid of my mental state and where I find my security and comfort. And so whenever I say things like institutional exodus, and whenever I bring statistics that the church is in decline, and whenever I say that people don't really have much interest in being a part of your business or organization with the happy symbol of a cross on the front so we can, you know, write it off on taxes, but really what it is is it's an organization for us to be able to promote ourselves, not necessarily the kingdom, we react to anything that might be questioning that. And so I first want to bring that psychology up that before we react, before we have any sort of negative things, if, if you're at a church, if you're a pastor at a church, if you're on staff at a church and people begin to question, people begin to bring up conversations, people begin to talk about doctrine or theology or anything that might be different from you, I just want to say this is the opportunity to preserve and protect your institution and your organization to prevent an exodus. What's happening is people are bringing stuff like this up. People are questioning their faith. They're questioning the church. They're questioning everything of the reality. They're, they're questioning theology for good reason, but our reaction in the Christian state is pushing people away and we're seeing more and more and more decline. And so I want to do a thing of putting the ball back in the court of the institution. This isn't a problem of the people who are leaving. 
This isn't a problem for people just being, you know, uh, defiant. This isn't a problem of people just being rebellious. This is a problem of us trying to protect our tribe from valid realities that surround our lives, our world, our culture today. And if we cannot take a posture of humility, if we cannot take a posture of focusing into our more true self, our enlightened self, our progressed, evolved humanity to be able to have conversation, we will never be able to see a flourishing of the true kingdom of God in our world. Because that's really what it's about. We'll get to that in a little bit later. But the institutional exodus idea has to be embraced by institutions. We have to recognize our understanding that we cannot just act in reactionary states towards people. People are people. And it's messy. And we've talked about that. Just last episode with Corey, we had a conversation about the messiness of organized spirituality. And then people say, well, I'm just not into organized religion. You know, I'm not into, you know, um, people basically, you know, creating businesses with the name of Jesus on them or whatever. And really, we do want order. You know, I was struggling a year ago. Um, you know, we were out here church planting, and my friend Eric was living with us, and we ended up going a different route. We felt like we were selling our souls to a model of church that wasn't really us, and my friend moved back to Indiana, and I was going through kind of a time of lamenting, of trying to figure out what is the church really? What's the purpose of it? Why am I out here, you know, living in a place that now is the second most expensive place in the United States? San Diego just beat... Um, a New York. So it's San Francisco, San Diego, then New York. I mean, why am I living in the most expensive place in the United States uh, trying to do this thing called church? It seems dumb. It seems redundant. It doesn't seem right. I don't, why does it not fit well with me? And the thing is, I had to do some really deep self exploration into the reality of this. And I came to kind of a nihilist conclusion for a while that it's pointless. It's purposeless. It doesn't serve a purpose. It's just a business for people to sell whatever it is for a platform to just, you know, promote themselves. And I was very nihilistic about it for a while. But over the past six months, even whenever I got the idea for institutional exodus, I came to a realization that organization and leadership actually is important. It's not really a nihilistic way of viewing everything and, you know, just sort of rogue spirituality. We actually deeply crave order and function. I mean, even God in, in Genesis, he brings literally what that first narrative is, that first poetry in the beginning of the scripture is God bringing order to chaos. And I think it's just strategic in the way we have to do that. And so with, with us as people who are uh, spiritual nomads, who are people who are church exiles, I don't necessarily think it's that we don't want anything to do with it or, you know, we're just not into organized religion. We actually do crave some sort of organization with it. It's just unfortunate how it's been wielded. That's what I talked about with Corey as well. It's a sword. I mean, it's, it's something that can destroy it, but it's also something that can be a place of protection and refuge. And that's really my conclusion with institutional church. As I said in the very first episode of Malik, institution isn't bad, it's not wrong, it's not evil, but it can be bad and it can be wrong and it can be evil. And I really think 
the work that we have to do is, is us, and I say us, if you notice I've been saying us because I believe that institutions can be redeemed for that very thing, not a place of harm, of, you know, the, the ill use of a sword, but the exact place of protection and refuge. Churches are to be centers of hope, of joy, of the things of the fruit of the Spirit to train us in the pattern of good, healthy, mature spirituality. And that's really what it is about. And so I'll get to in our later point here uh, just about what we can all do about it. But the reality of institutions is that we have to band together for the good of all people. And as we band together, we're going to see the reality of the kingdom of God become manifest. That's what Jesus was talking about. He's saying, this is the kingdom of God at hand. And I have believe I have, you know, some ideas for what that means for it. And I'm excited to, you know, share that in the future. You know, we're doing a gathering here in Oceanside and, you know, I've, I've created some notes for my talk that I'm going to give for that. And I won't go into that all here. I might do another talk later. Um, about that, but really four key elements that creates a, a kingdom culture, that creates a, a culture that reconciles people. And so I believe institutions have an amazing opportunity to be centers of reconciliation, to be centers of spiritual growth and conscious awareness. They have places, uh, they can be places for healing and hope and health. You know, they can be places for centers of justice in our world. They have the opportunity for this if we are willing to have the evolved conversation before the primitive one. If we can choose to have the enlightened conversation before the one that seeks to protect my tribe. I really think that personal encounters with the divine when we bring those collectively together, that we begin to become the people that even Peter talks about, that he says, you are being built into a holy nation, a royal priesthood, that God builds us together through our unique individual experiences. And what I want to do and what I'm trying to do is bring people together around the central idea of that. So I think churches in decline because we have put our primitive nature first. And that might sound demeaning. That might sound, uh, you know, like I like I think I'm better. I don't think that at all. I just think that we have to hear people out. And if you're in exodus, if you're in exile, that you have to have grace and humility just as much as we're asking grace and humility from the organization and institution. And I really think that that is going to be the, the central reality, if we can first lead uh, in that way. So the reason for the name institutional exodus is the fact is people are leaving church organizations. Fine, good, bad, and different. I don't know. What I do know is, is that the fact is there, and I think that we need to reevaluate. And my reason for these conversations with my friends is that people would have an actual ear to hear a podcast that doesn't just have other church leaders or religious leaders regurgitating statistics that they don't even really know anybody outside of that. 
So I really wanted it to be a diverse group of people. It certainly was a diverse group of people, and they're all doing amazing things towards the reconciliation of all things because God is reconciling all things. And he uses, not just uses like how, you know, a guy uses a chick that he just picked up at the meat market club downtown. I'm not talking about that using. Not talking like God just uses us like just an old, you know, garment and he just throws us. That's not what I'm talking about. God rather partners with us in the reconciliation of all things. And as institutions, people are leaving our institutions because we aren't being a force of reconciliation. We're worried about our budgets. We're worried about our attendance. We're worried about our buildings. We're worried about our protecting our tribe's doctrine and theology. And you say, Luke, that stuff is important. I'm not saying it's not important. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is, is that we cannot lead with that. We cannot lead with that. We have to lead with humility. And so the reason that people are staying at churches, frankly, a lot of the people that are even still sitting in those churches right now are only doing it out of a duty, out of a tradition, out of a conviction that they have because they think somehow salvation is found in the four walls. Church, it's our responsibility to teach people that they aren't saved because they sit in our churches and give to our organizations. People are made alive by the awareness of the Holy Spirit that lives within them, that is working in them and through them to the reconciling of all things, themselves, people around them, the creation, the ongoing creation of the world that they partake in. That is the empowering or as we should say in the old world, priesthood of believers, that every single person is an agent of the kingdom, not an agent to invite people to an organization to be saved, but an agent for the reconciliation, the restoration, and the fulfillment of all things. Jesus talked about the fullness of life. He says, I've come to give you life and its abundance. We have people sitting in our churches that have no idea for a reality of an abundant life. And they think that the only thing that they need to do is sit in a church. They're empty. There are people in your churches that are empty right now. And if it wasn't for a simple tradition that they were brought up with, they would be amongst the numbers of Exodus as well. Institutional Exodus is an opportunity for us to redeem the reality of what God has to do through his church. There is a reality of that. And that reality is ultimate reality. And that reality is the kingdom of God. The central message of Jesus was the kingdom of God. He literally came to bring eternal life. This word eternal life actually literally translate life of the ages. He wants to give you a life of the ages. In today's world, we'd say a life unlike any other life, that we would live like no one else, that we would see life in a paradigm that no one else sees, that we would live in a fullness and a reality that isn't contingent of this world, but is absolutely informed by a world that is not of this world. I'm not talking about the cheesy bumper sticker from the brand that you see, you know, on people's minivans. What I'm talking about is a reality that isn't under, in Jesus' day, Caesar. A reality that isn't dictated by the cultural norms. A reality that isn't informed by 
the reality that holds us back, that holds us down, that forces us to conform to the pattern of this world, but rather that we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind into the image of Jesus, which Jesus is the son that lives in a kingdom that is not like the kingdom that we experience here that he has a relationship with the divine that is unlike any other reality of a religious system or order, that we can partake in that as well. The reality of the kingdom, the ultimate reality of the fullness of life, the life of the ages, the beauty of what we can be, and that begins in ourself, that goes to us together, and when we're together, that's what makes the church. The church has organization, which might look like an institution, but the church is always, 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 first and foremost, having to understand the kingdom of God. What does the life of the ages look like? What does that look like together? What does it look like to be one with the divine? And friends, I believe us who are in the institution, us who are church leaders, who are church planters, can begin to bring organization and shape around the life of the ages. And so with that, that's just my first little exposition on institutional exodus. I have a couple more things that I want to share as well, and we're going to continue this sort of finale or exposition, uh, because as this series Frankly, there's just not enough time to explain it all. So <laughs> what I want to do is I want to continue this. And what you can expect next week is some topics that I want to clarify, some things that I want to go through, uh, some things that people have said maybe have been inconsistent or questioning where I stand on them or whatever. I want to talk about some topics that were brought up through the series. Um, and then probably the week after that, if we're not able to include that, is what does it look like? to actually do these things now? What can it look like to actually partner together uh, with ourselves, with the divine, for the reconciliation of all things? Uh, we've historically called this church and reclaiming the faith, reclaiming the idea that we can actually be the kingdom, that we can actually be one with God and the implication that that has. So uh, the conclusion is coming. The conclusion is yet to come. People say, you know, why do you have so many parts all the time? Well, because I believe in long-form conversation, and I believe in not just giving short, quick, little answers, and I believe in actually talking through this stuff, having the dialogue, having the conversation. So we will continue the exposition of Institutional Exodus. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode. Once again, we will be back next week with another episode for the second part of the exposition. Next week's episode is actually quite a bit longer. Uh, it's actually almost an hour long, but it's very helpful. Uh, I think you're really going to enjoy it a lot. And I'm uh, looking forward to sharing that with you all. So have a great week and uh, be sure to subscribe. Leave us a comment. Leave us a review. Be much appreciated. Love you all.